Our scripture reading today is from the first chapter of James. Most of the letters in the New Testament are written to a particular church, you know, like the one in Rome or Corinth or Thessalonica and so on, but not this one. James is what they call a general letter. It was written for the church at large. It's less like the other New Testament letters and in a lot of ways more like the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, say in Proverbs and such. Listen now, for God's word for us in the first chapter of James, starting at the 17th verse. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What is your stain removal method? At our house, I try soap, cold water, and a little elbow grease. And when that doesn't work, well, sometimes it does, but when it doesn't work well, Betty gets out her arsenal. There's stain stick. This is a spray. It's funny, it's a stick, but it's called spray and wash. Anyway, she gets that stick, and that sometimes does the job. And when that doesn't work, She gets out the oxy. Good stuff. But sometimes not good enough. And then there is that magical substance known to children everywhere. Mom spit. (laughs) Well, we know something about how to remove stains from our clothing. But how about spiritual stain removal? How do we keep ourselves unstained by the world. Well, the verses we read from the first chapter of James, they address 
five topics that can help us with stain removal and stain prevention too. First, there's God's generosity in the first, and then controlling anger, acting on God's word, controlling our tongues, and the marks of pure religion. The first two verses we read, 17 and 18, they speak of God's generosity, saying that God is the source of every generous act of giving with every perfect gift. One time, I don't know what it was, something kept Betty's mother from getting to Henderson for the birthday of one of our nieces. Well, later on, when Elsie was there for a visit, the little girl was prompted by her parents. Thank Grandma for your, your new dress she gave you. And the little girl said, Grandma didn't give me this dress. The UPS man did. <laughs> well, for us now, there is no question. There is no doubt about where our blessings come from. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. But not only that, that God has given us birth by the word of truth. And that word of truth is, of course, Jesus Christ. Now, for years and years, I enjoyed listening to a talk show on WUNC radio. The host was Diane Rame. She interviewed people who knew a lot about interesting topics of the day. And then her listeners would call in or they would send email their questions or comments. On one day, the topic was the political views of some Christians. And I wrote Diane a, a frustrated note. I said, you keep referring to born-again Christians and other Christians, but you cannot be a Christian unless you are born again. Well, what's my proof for that? Jesus Christ told Nicodemus one dark night. It's in John, the third chapter of John. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. Well, that's what one translation says. Others say born again, born anew. Jesus... James tells us that God's given us that ultimate good and perfect gift, birthed by the word of truth. Well, in the, the next little section, verses 19 through 21, he had, James addresses anger, telling us to understand that we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Well, too often we are what I would call dyslexic Christians. That is, we read this verse correctly and then we practice it backwards. We're often, too often, lousy listeners, way too quick to speak, and we brandish firecracker tempers. Just pop off. Some of you know that I taught an adult Sunday school class for more than 25 years. Early on, a distinguished gentleman came up to me after class and said, I studied this lesson. I have to tell you, I would have taught it differently. <laughs> he did this for two or three weeks in a row. Well, I didn't know quite what to say and unsure how to, how to respond to his tone politely because it just didn't seem particularly appropriate or polite to say, well, you could try teaching a lesson. <laughs> so I just said, thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> More than a year later, that same fellow told me that he was one of my biggest fans. You see, if I had responded to his gruff tone, I would have lost one of my biggest fans. 
Well, why bother controlling your anger? Well, maybe you've seen that little prayer somewhere. It said, Lord, give me patience, because if you give me strength, I'm going to need bail money too. <laughs> so why work to control anger? Well, is, is it to avoid ulcers or high blood pressure? And to improve our social skills and help us become better family members or neighbors or church members? Is it to keep us out of jail? Well, those are all good reasons, common sense reasons, but that's not what James said as a reason. He said, for our anger does not produce God's righteousness. Well, next, in verses 22 to 25, James tells us to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Well, James is not the only person in the New Testament who talked about that business of hearing and not doing. Well, listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, that is of Jesus, and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Now some of you like me may have learned a little song about that. You know the rains came down and the floods came up and the house came tumbling down. Flat. <laughs> then, in verse 26, James tells us how very important our speech is. Any think their religious don't bridle their tongues. They deceive in their heart, and their religion is worthless. That's harsh. What we say and how we say it matters. Well, in his letter to the Colossians, Paul wrote, Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. That doesn't mean salty language now. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. And then in the last verse we read today, James tells us two marks of the true, pure, and undefiled religion. The first is to care for orphans and widows and their distress. In New Testament days, there was no insurance industry. There was no Social Security, no Medicare, no Medicaid, no safety net, except the generosity, the kindness of family and community. Well, yes, these days we do have insurance and government programs, but there are still so many in need, many who are vulnerable, many who fall between the cracks. Who says, you may ask, well, in the 25th chapter of Matthew, Jesus describes the last day of the separation of the sheep and the goats when some, some will be told, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of this world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Our Christian duty is to help those who are oppressed 
those who were in need, those Jesus called the least of these, and were obligated to do more than send empty platitudes. We have to do more than send our thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers need to lead us to practical action. James says the second mark of true religion is to keep oneself unstained by the world. We live in a world that worships money, fame, success. Well, I could add football, but that's part of those other three, isn't it? <laughs> we live in an economy that's based on consumption. The advertising industry drowns us in thousands of messages that tell us we need to have more, we need to have the newest, the best, the things that's in style, well, at least for now, in addition to things we don't need, like more on a car warranty or a burial insurance, or <laughs> all those things they call us about all the time. The overwhelming media message is that we don't have enough when we need to buy more. So let me ask you, what are you doing about your stains? What are you doing to keep yourself unstained by the world? And do you know the only one who can help? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thanks be to God.